0: another edition of the a-list podcast hey Kwani, we've made it past day number one and we're back for some reason
1: they gave us a second episode that's crazy (laughs)
0: look man i I was forget about 10-day contracts i was more like a 24-hour type contract please (laughs) let them get us on for another show as you can see Kwani, oh well the folks out there can't see but i've got on my my christmas festive outfit here got this uh this red and white jacket on. Now, see, last year this time, I would wear this and I looked more like one of those peppermint gumballs. Okay. But after dropping a couple of pounds, I look more like a peppermint stick. So I'm okay. I'm feeling more peppermint sticky ish today. All right. Um, with the blow up. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm trying to trying to slim it down and blow up at the same time. You know. Uh, and speaking of blow up, uh, a list podcast is available.
1: It is. And make sure you subscribe. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're even on YouTube. But you need to click that subscribe button. Listen to it, of course. And of course, also give us a review because then we can get to our third episode. And that's there you the go. Goal.
0: <laughs> exactly. Which is exactly what we want to do. And also a special shout out to BetOnline AG for giving us the support that we need yes. to keep on keeping on. So uh, what you got, Quine? What do you, what do you think about today? Who do you,
1: what, do you, what are we going to talk about? I mean, I'm just excited for the NBA season. We talked about it in the first episode with Mark Spears. We're going to have Abby on later to give us her perspective on the Celtics. I'm excited for some basketball.
0: I'm you? excited about basketball, but you know what? When I think about this season, I I I can't really start until I acknowledge where we finished. And where we mm-hmm. finished was in the bubble with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the Lakers bringing home championship number seventeen, which puts them in a tie with the Celtics for all-time championships. Don't think for a minute that the Celtics are not just a little bit salty about the fat, about Especially
1: that. Especially when the Celtics should have been playing the Lakers in that game, and that See. would have actually made for some real competition there.
0: Real talk, real talk, right there. Real talk, right there. Now let me ask you this: I mean, we, we look at some of the moves that the Lakers have made. I mean, obviously you bring you've got AD, you got LeBron. They've added some pieces, Dennis Schroeder. Uh, they we have added another couple nice players to the mix. Repeat.
1: I'm not counting them out, obviously. As Mark Spears said in the last episode, he says that this Lakers team could beat the bubble team in a heartbeat. But I'm still looking to the East with hope in the sense that I don't want to just see LeBron dominate again. I would love to see another team come out of the West and give us a little more competition. Every conference that LeBron is in, we're always like, oh, they got it. I'm tired of that. I want to see – a conference where you don't know who's going to be up the year that we're looking at.
0: <laughs> Listen, I have been singing the the, the just carrying a banner that this is the year that LeBron is going to fall down. This is the year that look, I'm done out of that game. I retired that 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 banner. It is it will not pop or surface again. The Lakers are going to win another title. The only thing that's going to keep them from repeating as champions is if someone gets hurt. And that someone has better be named LeBron James because if he's healthy, they're going to win. They they are better than they were a year ago when they won the title. And they are still, on paper, the best team in the NBA. When you look at the talent they have at the top shelf, you look at that below- talent that's the notch below that and then you look at the cookies they got on the bottom shelf right. they are loaded and I, I think I do believe that they're going to repeat as champions and it pains the hell out of me to say that because like, i like a bunch of haters exactly it pains me to say that but that's the reality of it I mean right. they're that good uh one team that I know feels that you know maybe we got a shot to knock the Lakers off is the Milwaukee Bucks and mm-hmm. You've got the two-time MVP and Giannis Antetokounmpo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You've had the best record in the NBA each of the last two years. Did not get to the NBA Finals either year. Giannis has signed up long-term deal. He he's not going anywhere for a long, long time. They seem poised to be a contender again. But are you buying that? Are you buying that this Milwaukee team is, is going is the best team in the Forget about the Lakers for a second. Are they the best team in the East?
1: I'm definitely not giving them the best team in the East. I think when you look at Giannis re-upping with the Milwaukee Bucks and kind of showing the city that he's committed to winning, that's a good sign for Bucks fans. But, I mean, him alone, I don't know. I'm not really giving him that much stock in the Bucks to really, I don't know. I just don't see them pulling out of the East. When you look at all of the talent that you see on the East, I just—I can't just be like, oh, it's a guarantee with Milwaukee.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the one thing, and, and I'm going to take a, a shout out to my guy, Michael Holly on this one, uh, the bucks head coach, but has not been that good. Uh, he's had some really good, you look at his track record. I mean, he's had some really good teams that had amazing records and they don't get it done in the playoffs. You know, people, you know, give doc rivers a lot of grief because he gives a three, one leads, but has teams that are the favorites that don't even right. get three, one leads to give up. Right. So I, I think coaching is, is an issue that Milwaukee at some point they're going to have to address because they have enough talent to compete uh, and they find ways to win enough games, but there's some, there's a disconnect between them getting to the postseason and them getting through the postseason. And when you start looking at all the different factors and, and in, in particulars of that coaching has to come into play. Uh, I know the game is played by the players, but coaches, they have a role. And I think one of the questions that a lot of people are asking is when you talk about players and the role of coaches, who's going to be coaching James Harden this season? Because right now, Steven Silas has that job in Houston and he's going and he's to be in job. job but will yeah. James be in Houston? What do you think? I mean, can they move? Do you think they'll be able to move him or do you think he's going to be stuck in Houston, which is not a bad place to be stuck in, but that's another story.
1: That's another part of this season that I really am looking forward to. Obviously, James doesn't want to be there, so it comes down to do you want to just have a disgruntled player on the bench who may not be willing to perform at his best capability just because he doesn't want to be there? Or will you trade him away and get some pieces that will not only re-up your roster, but I know it ends up looking like a win-win and, and front offices don't really want other teams to win in that sense, but I never understood the point of having a, a disgruntled Anthony Davis, for example, with the Pelicans and he's sitting there and you, you're not using them to their capability. I say, just let him go peacefully, find a way to get some pieces for him and have a decent season at least. But the problem
0: that Houston's going through, and it's what all teams go through when this happens, players, Flap their gums too damn much. That's true. If I mean, think about it. If well, their agents in, do. Their agents. If, do. if you're in a relationship and you don't want to be in that relationship anymore, mm. you are going to tell the entire world you don't want to be in that relationship instead of dealing with that that partner. Okay. And just letting them know, say, hey, maybe we should part ways, but let's just keep this between us. We part ways and then we go do our thing. Instead, they want to tell the partner. They want to mm-hmm. tell the partner's brother. They want to tell Kiki. They want to tell Sean. They want right. to tell, you know, Jamal. They want to tell Karen. Right. They want to tell everyone.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and at the end of the your
0: day,
1: right. and then you're in a bigger mess than when you started and you're still stuck in that relationship. Exactly.
0: Exactly. I mean, to me, if there's anything you learned about Anthony Davis, is there anything you've learned about guys who want out of situations? Keep your mouth shut and work with the people who can get you out.
1: Exactly.
0: Get you out. I, I And, you know, the Celtics, their name, their name has been brought up as a possible destination for James Harden, which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Uh, I, I know the Celtics are obviously looking to upgrade, but the one thing, and I wanted to talk to you about this before we get into our, our guest speaker, but the Celtics under Brad Stevens. Evans and Danny, they really have built a winning culture. Yes. There's, there's no doubt about it. You look at the, the wins that they've been rack up under Brad's tenure. They rank among the best teams in the NBA in that regard. But do they have a championship winning culture? Because I think there is a difference between the two. I would say they don't. Uh, and, and, I, and I think as tempting as adding a James Harden type player to the mix would, I think, on the surface look like you're trying to create a championship winning culture. I think the credits that you get with a move like that will be offset and then some by the debits. Cause James is a lot. I mean, he's bringing more than just that damn beard to the building. I mean, he got some serious baggage uh, beyond that, that beard and the hair products that that beard needs to keep it nice and whatever the hell he thinks it is right now.
1: So with that being said though, what do you think, or who do you think could contribute to the Celtics having a winning culture?
0: You're gonna you're gonna laugh at this,
1: or you may not. Okay.
0: I think they need to. I think just like they went back in the past to add a guy like Evan Turner to the staff, mm-hmm. I think they need to take a look, a blast from the past in order to add to their roster. The Isaiah guy Thomas, the guy that I'm gonna keep. Would you say Isaiah Thomas? No, you know I oh. love
1: Isaiah. with
0: him? Thanks. Uh, shout out to Isaiah Thomas for that brink line. That really was a major gift for me. I appreciate you for that. Always. No. I'm talking about our good friend Al Horford
1: hmm, and here's why I'm not laughing at that here's you, why yeah.
0: you got that 28 and a half million dollar trade exception that you got from the Gordon Hayward deal Al makes about 27 and his contract decreases in overall value over the last couple of years and each of those years has a a lowered buyout amount so that Even though he may be owed like another 50 60 million over the last couple of years, you could theoretically get from under that for like maybe 1415 if things don't work out if you make a deal for him. And where he's at now in Oklahoma City. Look, anyone on their damn roster is, is up. To be traded i mean they 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 look they look they're treating players and draft picks like pokemon cards. they just like give me some give me some i need them i need them that's how they are and they would love to have a 28 and a half million dollar trade exception at their disposal and the Celtics again they've got a year to do this and obviously they you know they've, they've added tristan thompson they've you know you got daniel tice back you're hoping robert williams you know could, can finally you know play like the guy that they think he is but if you add a guy like Al Horford to the mix and the only thing it costs you is a trade exception that you got from a deal with Gordon Hayward who was going to leave you anyway, I think that gives you the potential to make an even deeper playoff run and potentially be a championship-caliber squad. Uh, that's, my, that's my theory on that.
1: I'm um, definitely not laughing at it, though, because, one, people talk about how the Celtics need more of a presence in the post. Obviously, Al will bring that. But also... Another thing that we always talk about is just the leadership aspect. He's obviously an NBA vet, and also the way that he had led the team when he was in Boston, they respect him, if not fear him, to the point where he's able to get that roster, that that locker room even, just gathered together, unified, whether that's on and off the court. So, again, we always talk about what can they do on the floor, but I think the locker room presence is something that's really big. And like you said, the Celtics could use more veteran, I think, leadership experience there for sure.
0: It's so funny, Kwani, that you talk about veteran leadership. I know,
1: you know. Locker
0: room. What am I talking about? I, I want to get your take <laughs> on your boy, Kyrie Irving. He's my boy? After, after the Sage, uh, you know, uh, moment he had before the game, which I thought was really cool, actually. I actually, I, I, I actually approve of that Kyrie action. I thought that was very cool. Showing respect and homage to his Native American roots. Love that part about Kyrie. When he played, if I'm a Celtics fan, I did not like that. Obviously. He he looked like, you know, 25 a night Kyrie Irving. Yeah. And with the Celtics playing them early in the season on Christmas Day, what do you think that game against Brooklyn is going to look like? And how big of an impact do you think Kyrie is going to have, not only on that game, but on the next season and their chances of winning a championship?
1: And for one, he called him my boy because we're both from Jersey. Kyrie grew up in West Orange, I grew up in Orange, so I—I'm I so glad you, yeah, I'm I had, glad you put a receipt on that. Yeah, I'm glad you put a receipt on that. I had to make sure it was known because I'm always repping Jersey, no matter what. But, put a receipt on it. <laughs> but when you talk about that—that that Christmas Day game, that is Christmas in all of its extremities. Like, you don't need presents, you don't need hot chocolate. You just need that game because I think anyone that's a Celtics fan is obviously looking forward to that. Even though the preseason game wasn't what they expected. They got They did. It was, yes, it was not (laughs) what Celtics fans want. But obviously I think players do still approach the preseason, whether they want to admit it or not, with that preseason mentality. But when you have a Christmas Day game, you're having that national audience. I think the Celtics are going to bring it. It's going to be way more fun than what we saw in the preseason. And I think – I don't know. I'm I feel, I'm feeling some players ducking on each other in this one.
0: Oh, there's going to be some facials handed out.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm with the I want some posters. I'm all about the po- few Christmas, all
0: about posters. The Christmas posters. All about the Christmas Day posters. <laughs> and I'm also all about our first guest to today. Uh, we've got the incomparable yeah. Abby Chin uh looking forward to this for for a while abby uh former co-worker of mine at nbc uh, boss as well as I? and I, I, Connie, I was bringing you to the party too i was bringing you in too you took too long i know right <laughs> abby welcome to the a-list podcast
2: thank you for having me i'm your second guest right or have you done a bunch
1: more. I feel so special. Yes, you're the second. Number the, first, two the first woman, though, so that is the death special. chart. Number <laughs>
0: one in our hearts, Abby. And, and wanted to get just really just kind of jump right into things with you, Abby. Now, obviously, this was an off season, unlike most off seasons that we've had around here in a long, long time. And, you know, there, there was a movement that was going on in Boston. And I guess the easiest way to describe it is the Abby Chin movement? Uh, when fans reached out to you, Abby, showing their support for you, just take us through a little bit what that meant to you uh, to, to get that type of that, that type of love.
2: Oh my gosh, it meant so much. It was so completely unexpected. Um, I think Sherrod, you and I got the same call on the same day, and it was heartbreaking. I mean, the reality is, I had my dream job. I had my dream job for seven seasons. And um even though that season wasn't over, the job was being taken away. And so um just kind of dealing with the mental reality of that was really hard. And then to see the support, so the news actually broke the day after that. And so I had a pretty down day. I, I think it was a Monday shroud, wasn't it, that we found out? I think so. Then the Tuesday the news broke, and then so to see that response on social media, it just It lifted me so much and buoyed my spirits, and it it took me to a different place. And then it also got to a point where it was too much. It was too emotional because (laughs) I I understood that this decision was not going to be changed. And so to see that, to see so many people support me in that way. It meant the world to me. But then it was also, I, I can't give them anything, you know, I can't do anything for them. This is the reality. This is, And this is something that I mentally need to come to terms with and come to grips with. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was incredible. And and it was really cool. Uh, you know, so many people texted me like, I signed the petition. And uh, <laughs> it was really <laughs> nice to hear and see. And so um, it was just, it was wonderful. And then to see the response now that I'm coming back was incredible. Just how unbelievably positive it's been. It, it means the world to me and, and to my family. I mean, my husband seeing it has just been great, and my parents as well. Yeah. The kids have no idea what's going on. Mabel and Silas <laughs> could not care less. They were like, "Why are you crying, mom?" I was like, "What's well, happening?" She's like, yeah. "Can you go get the spaghetti because I'm hungry." <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> but
1: you do mention that that mental health aspect that I think a lot of people don't understand is important, no matter what job you're in. What was that process like for you? Not going into too much depth, but trying to figure out what your ne- next steps could possibly be. Kwani Shred will tell you. I'm an open book. You can ask yeah. me
2: anything. Um, <laughs> I think I was pretty paralyzed initially. Uh finding that out, and then, like I mentioned, we wanted to finish the season. I wanted to finish the season strong and not necessarily for myself, but also just to complete that process to be able to close that chapter. like I said, it was no dream job, and i I tried really hard not to ever take that for granted and so it wasn't until the beginning of October. That I really started wrapping my mind around it, and then honestly, I was God knows if I was doing um, some stuff for the news side of MVP 10 with Kwani, and um, (laughs) not with Kwani, but Kwani works at MVP 10, and so um, I felt like that was always floating out there. And then October 9th came, and there was nothing. And so I did. It was, uh, I think I was in denial up until that point. I went to the living room. So that was a Friday. I went to the living room on Saturday and I told my husband, I was like, we got to get out. I've been in this house for too long. I'm just going to take the kids. I'm going to drive to Ohio. And he, which is where my family was at the time. And um, my husband was like, no, you cannot drive 13 hours by yourself (laughs) with small children in the car. That is not (laughs) rational. And so it took me a few hours to get there. I understood. Um, eventually, we did. I did get to take some time off. We did a road trip and saw family—family family that we haven't seen in a year—which I think, you know, makes all of this that much harder to not have that support. Um, and then I think that kind of just getting away from here and um, being able to focus on the family kind of gave me the strength and the footing to kind of dive back into that. So I was exploring every option, um, whether it was going into news and reporting that or um, trying to figure out more of a writing direction. Um, I was open to any and everything. And I think that that's one of the best pieces of advice is actually the best piece of advice that I got through this process. And um, I actually reconnected with Nako Funayama, who worked for Nessun and the Bruins broadcast. And just speaking with her, she was like, talk to everybody. You don't know what could happen, what opportunities could open up or if whomever, you know, Maybe not now, but down the road, like, oh yeah, Abby's around; she can do something. Um, and so the and she said that's a big part of how she about the Rev's job. A big part of this though is that I am at a point in my life where we're here, we're in Boston. I love this neighborhood. Um, we live in Arlington. I don't want to give too much away, but um, my daughter loves her school. You know, we have really good friends. We've built a great community here, and and my husband has a good job. And so you know, we weren't leaving. And so I think that that kind of Um, narrowed my focus, which was a good thing because, um, the hope was to stay in Boston. And so then, and we can, you guys can bring this up if you want, but then when Kyle chose to leave, um, I jumped at the opportunity and let all the powers that be know that I was absolutely interested in the position. And I thought that I believe that I can do a good job and, um, I have done it before and I just wanted the opportunity. Now, with
0: that new job, which is really not really a new job because you kind of did that before at various times. Yes. What has that been like, kind of being the full-time pre- and post-game host for, for the Celtics uh, show?
2: I don't know yet. Um, we've had two shows, and they were all pre So, um, you know, I'm not sure how seriously. I'm kidding. We take everything very seriously, but, uh, you, you know, you can't read too much into that. And so um, I am really excited. I'm, everyone, uh, when I was up for the opportunity speaking with um, my producer on the games, his name is Paul Lucy, and he was like, Abby, there are so many games. They're just like, they keep coming. And that excites me. I love that. Shrad, you know that. And we've been on the road, and um, I really enjoy the pace of the NBA, and I like that this is picking up. And um, one cool thing about this job and and – for better or for worse. It's better for me at the point that I'm at, that there is no travel right now. Right. And so um, you know, typically on a game day, I am going to shoot around for three hours. And then I go home, and study, prepare, get ready, and then you're at the arena for eight hours after that. And so those are long days. And this job allows me to be at home a little bit more with the kids during the day. Um, we do have help and then focus on the game at night. And I think that that's really exciting. And I'm excited about about the cast of characters that we're gonna have. Big Perk is gonna be with us as much as possible. And he is amazing. I love him so much and his personality and his fire and the fact that he has no filter, it's wonderful. Um, Scal sometimes I wish would have more of a filter, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, um, you know, and Chris Mannix who I've worked with. And, and that's the really cool part about it is that these are people who I have relationships that I have right. um, spent time with and, and built up uh, rapport with. And so I'm excited to see h- how that develops and where that goes.
1: It must be exciting to start a new job and already know your co-workers.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> studio, very familiar.
1: <laughs> right, right. But obviously the NBA season tips off on Tuesday and the biggest storyline is the Celtics and how they will play this season. What are you looking most forward to from the Celtic squad?
2: I don't know if they're the biggest story, Kwani. I, I like well, they're I'm one
1: there. of the bigger Eastern Conference stories.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, KD looked pretty good the other night. Uh, I, <laughs> um, I am, like I think almost everyone in Celtics Extinction, I'm most excited to see what Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown do with this opportunity. There is no denying no one else is trying to take that spotlight from them. From them, This is their team. This is their moment. I, I am excited to see them seize that to find out what that looks like and to see where they can lead this team. And 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 I know that there are going to be some growing pains. And I think that um, that is one of another benefit of having so many games going up. Number one, that they're young and they're gonna be able to play. And, and I wanna see them learn and grow and see um, how they can develop now that they know they are the men, the guys.
0: Yeah. And and I, I guess along those lines, Abby, because you know we, we've seen them from the day one when they came to Boston to where they are now. And it I always felt as though we have these expectations for them and they would either dramatically exceed them or significantly underperform versus those expectations. And I don't know why that is. I mean, because... It's been like that for Jalen from from day one. I mean, he went from a guy that people didn't really think the Celtics should draft. I mean, how many guys drafted that high get booed? Which, it just doesn't happen. And then you got Tatum, who had a great rookie season, but then he was okay, you know, the second year, but didn't make that great leap that people thought he would make. And so now it's like, maybe he's not as good as we thought. And then he becomes an all-star. It's like, okay, maybe he's a top 10 player. What do you think... Those guys, what's realistic? What should we realistically expect from them? I mean, because both of those guys are still young, but they have been in the league for a while and they've done some things.
2: And they've experienced a lot. Brad Stevens talks about it all the time, how much they have been through in their short NBA careers. And, Sherrod, as you go through everything, it all seems so circumstantial. You talk Mm -hmm. about Jason Tatum and that second year not making that leap. We all remember why and his name rhymes with shmiree you know I, no one was themselves or reached the height the peak of themselves in that season and so I, I really do I throw that away and I and I hope that Jason took the lessons of that and those experiences playing next to a guy like Kyrie and that allowed him to catapult himself into what he was next season or the next season which was last season um mm. I'm terrible with things by the way so I'm trying to <laughs> remember <laughs> <laughs>
0: It, we all are this time of year. Is yeah,
2: Well, the NBA calendar in general. Right. Um, but And then Shred, you talk about exceeding expectations. You and I were with them in 2017 on that incredible playoff run. Amazing. Harry, no Gordon Hayward. And it seemed like those two particularly mm-hmm. thrived with their backs against the wall no matter the situation. They came through. And if it wasn't one, it was the other. And it was so incredible to watch. And then, like you mentioned, in the Game 7, both came up completely flat and obviously overwhelmed and overcome by the power that is LeBron James. And so, and and then like you said with Jalen and and everything that he's been through that next season dealing with Kyrie and that he came in with such high expectations. I mean, Danny Ainge tells the story that Jalen, he saw Jalen in the meal room and Jalen was like, do you think we're better than the 86 Celtics? And Danny was like, no. I don't <laughs> like So Jalen went into that season with such high expectations. And then to just have that ripped away. Um, I think it was really cool to see him mature and be able to deal with that and actually, you know, find his role in that season. And so I guess to answer your question, Shroud, the long-winded way is that I don't, I will never doubt those two. Mm. I have faith that they will figure it out. And I, I believe that Jason Tatum is, one day going to be an MVP in this league, whether that's this season or next. And, and um, Scout talks about it all the time. At this point where he is and how good he is, it's incremental. It's, it's percentage points that he has to get better. So it's better shot selection, better passes, more pinpoint passes. It's just, it's so small. And I believe that he can get there. And then Jalen Brown, as we saw in the preseason, I think that's one of the most disappointing things is you want to see him hit the ground running with this new role, with this new added responsibility. And I think that he will get there. I think that he is one of the smartest people, let alone players that I know. It it may take him some time. And and I know like his ball handling and decision-making, those are things that he wants to improve upon. And so I I think he will. You mentioned
1: Jalen and Jason having to step up. but I think a lot of times, as you mentioned with Kyrie, we think that just because someone's a star, that they have to be the leader. So looking at the roster that the Celtics have this year, who do you think should emerge as a leader of this team?
2: I think Marcus Smart is the default leader. And we know the heart and soul. And he is the guy who's in there holding people accountable. I think that that's something that has been cool to see in the development of Jalen Brown in last season, in the bubble, standing up to Marcus Mm -hmm. after um, the two losses. And then inside that locker room. And also he was the only one, if you remember, who actually stood up to Kyrie and told him, you know, don't put this all on us. We are not the only ones here. And so I think that's been good to see. You, of course, want to see Jason Tatum continue to be more vocal. And then you guys let me know, Sherrod, what have you thought of Tristan Thompson? I feel like mm-hmm. he has come in and talked a lot. I know. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> how.
0: how helpful. It's just be- a loaded question. <laughs> what do you I think, think of Tristan you- Thompson? Thompson?
2: But he comes in and, and then the guys are also, you know, he is a champion. He's won championships. And so, and he's played at the, on the biggest stages. And and I think there's something to be said for that. And I think that players in the NBA notice that.
0: They, they do. They definitely notice that, but they also notice the role that you played in that championship squad. Uh, whether you were the main attraction or, whether you were the lead supporting actor or whether you were someone who was behind the scenes, making sure the curtains didn't fall down on the stars of the team. And I think he's a really solid behind the scenes type of guy, someone who's not going to be a front and center leader, but a guy that when you look at the pieces that you're trying to put together to win a championship, he plays a prominent role. You're talking about a a guy who has been a double double who seems to be getting better free throw shooting. Not his forte. Do not look for him to be that guy to to seal it at the line down the stretch. But his activity around the glass when he's healthy and that, as we're seeing right now, is it is an if a big if. If you're the Boston Celtics, he's someone that can do certainly more to help you than hurt you when he's on the floor. But I I think this the Celtics, you know, when I look at their roster from top to bottom or from a leadership standpoint, Abby, you're you're spot on. It, It has to be. Marcus Smart. Uh, He's the longest tenured Celtics. He's the guy who has a clear strength on the floor that distinguishes him from every single player, not only on his roster, but arguably among most players in the NBA. And that is his ability to defend at an elite level over and over and over and over again. Uh, And the point that you made about Jalen Brown, I was on a podcast with our good friend Cedric Maxwell, also part of the CLNS Media family, and we were talking about this very point. And the thing that I've mentioned to Cedric is that you know Jalen, at this point, I'm ride, I'm a ride or die with Jalen to the end because there's nothing about him that makes me believe if he puts his mind to doing something, it's not going to get done. He specifically talked to us all about wanting to round out his game going forward. And when you look at where he was as a rookie, and you look at where he's at now. Every year he has significantly leveled up his overall play to the point where now, you know, if he is a, is an all-star this year, there would not be anyone in the world surprised about that because of the way he has leveled his game up year after year after year. And so I, I do believe those two guys have to be the front and center leaders, Marcus Smart and, and Jalen Brown. But that second tier to give them support and leadership, I think it has to be a Tristan Thompson because of the points that you brought up, Abby. And I think it has to be you know Tatum because Tatum, let's be real, he's going to be the best player. And if you're not part of that leadership team as the best player, your team's not going very far.
2: I like that idea. A leadership council.
1: So we talked about leadership, but what about the rookies? Who do you two think are emerging favorites out of this rookie squad?
2: Uh, I mean, Peyton Pritchard has to be the favorite, right? But I think that Aaron Smith is something that the Celtics sorely need in shot making. And if he can do it at an NBA level, I think that will be a huge boost for them, especially adding a little bit of depth on the wing. Peyton Pritchard was really exciting, Um, I think, in that first preseason game against the Sixers, seeing him stand up to that level of competition and not back down, and I think that's something that you hear from a lot of people who know him is that he is fearless. He's not going to back down from anybody or anything. Um, I do think that was a huge welcome to the NBA moment for both of them in the Nets game, one, KD just stepping up and (laughs) – that three right oh, in Richard's face, and then Neesmith got jumped on. I mean, both of them. You could tell their heads were spinning in that second game, and and I mean, why wouldn't they be? They didn't have the typical calendar. There was no summer league. There was no you know month long training camp to ramp up to these moments. And so I am interested to see how they bounce back, and that um, I am hopeful that they will be able to make an impact on this team.
0: I, I think, but. At- by the time we get near the end of the season and going into the playoffs, I think Nesmith is going to be in that rotation. I think he's just too talented not to be. Uh, and, and frankly, you know, this is a guy who, remember, he only played a handful of games at Vanderbilt, so it's not like he's got this wide playlist of pl- of playing that he can lean on as he enters this completely new and so much more challenging thing that we like to call the National Basketball Association. It's going to take him a little bit of time to get there. And I think the Celtics understand that. That's why they're not rushing. They're not pressing. And as far as is concerned, I love what he brings to the game. But to me, he's like, uh, he reminds me a lot of Matthew Delvedova uh, who is just scrappy, uh, can make some shots. If you leave him open all day long, is a someone who is much better at playing off of others than they are necessarily playing their game per se. Uh, And I, and again, I think he's going to be a solid player for the Celtics eventually, but if you're looking at where they are now and where they're going to be in the playoffs or going into the playoffs, Nesmith is going to be someone that I think has what I call Tyler hero 2.0 potential. Uh, Someone who can have a certain level of play during a regular season, but when you get to the playoffs and the money's on the line, they take it to another level. I think he has that potential in him. Uh, having worked with his head coach uh, at Vanderbilt, Jerry Stackhouse, who is, you know, was there was not a shot that Jerry Stackhouse didn't like to take, regardless of what point in the game it was. I think we're going to see Nesmith over time really become more comfortable being that high-volume shooter because he has that skill in him. And, I, and the Celtics, again, they're not pressed about what he's doing, you know, in – thanksgiving and christmas and even new year's they're more concerned about where is he going to be come playoff time and i think he's going to be right where they need him to be to make an impact and be a difference maker
2: my only counter to that Shroud, is that tyler hero had four months of a pandemic who sit there and work on his game and so it was basically him coming back in his second season in a bubble where there were no fans cheering against him not having to overcome any of those adverse conditions and so um i do think that it will be important for these rookies to step up in these situations, but I am not sure that for the Celtics and their championship aspirations, it would be a good thing if they need to count on one of these guys. Mm. Yeah. So I think Neesmith adds a layer and something that they probably didn't have last season. And if, if he can hit shots, but Shroud, we've seen how hard that is to do. I was in the arena, uh, more than a year ago now, but last preseason when Carson Edwards hit eight threes and we all thought he was going to be the next, um, I don't know, Ray Allen. And so it's just, it's hard to do at this level and he's going to need to prove it.
0: Well, I'll say this. Nesmith, Pritchard, not really sure where you want to head your bets on on either one of those guys, but I tell you what is an absolute must hedge your bet on proposition, and that is betonline.ag. NFL football is nearing the home stretch with a few surprise teams near the top of the standings, and the NBA is just getting started. And while you might not be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. No matter how schedules change or players that play, BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season, with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great bonuses, offers, and contests. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now that we've got our wonderful sponsor taken care of, we love BetOnline.com. We also love, Abby, the fact that this season – is going to be uh it's going to be unlike any season we've seen in a really long time because you're coming out of the pandemic but you're not really out of the pandemic and just what is that going to be like covering this team you know in this kind of where hazy environment where we really don't know whether you're going to whether things are going to stop whether things are going to accelerate it's just it just seems there's a lot of uncertainty and as someone who's around this who's going to be around this team uh at least virtually uh, day in day out how do you kind of wrap yourself around that from a mental standpoint and not just lose your
2: mind it's different it's strange it's weird i uh you know not being at td garden for the preseason game against the nets was the first time that's happened to me i mean i had maternity leave but uh that's the first time i've ever not been at a game that i could be at Mm. since i came to boston and and that was weird it's hard it's strange and Shroud and quani you guys can speak to this like you said being around this team virtually every day i'm used to being around this team you know inside the practice facility listening to them in the scrums i got to travel with the team so you know on the bus and seeing some of that and um it is it's very different and so mentally though i will say we had practice within in the bubble and and even then we were more separated from them the fact that they were in florida and then all of us. I think it's just what we're, it's the new normal for everything. And so this is how it is. One, one positive about zoom is that we can zoom into any press conference. And so, um, you know, for example, today I was thinking about Peyton Pritchard. We heard from him for the Celtics and I was like, well, when are the blazers going to have their zoom? I'm going to email them because Damian Lillard loves Peyton Pritchard and I would love to get his perspective on mm-hmm. the road. And so that's something that's really cool that we typically don't get an opportunity to do. And so it, I think it opens up more possibilities. I, I do think it's um, you obviously have to be more creative, which, Kwani, you know all about that. And so it's a different challenge. And, and as I'm going to take a note from Brad Stevens, you have to enjoy the challenge. I am excited about the challenge of these opportunities.
0: And be the best version of yourself, Abby. Don't forget, be the best version of yourself.
2: Yeah, improve every possession, every possession on its own. Yes, I live by those words.
0: Oh, I can't wait for the Brad Stevens book.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Abby, you talked a little bit about, obviously,
1: the transition back to this new role. But for those who don't necessarily know your story, what was your journey into broadcasting like?
2: I, um, okay, I guess I... this. This is long. That's the only reason, you no, know, we really want to know all this. Um, I was in high school and I, I always liked journalism. I grew up, you know, watching to today, the Today Show, wanting to be Katie Kerr. Um And I didn't think that that would be a possibility until I had an English teacher. I read the announcements one day, I think. And, and she was like, hey, you should get into broadcasting. And I was like, what is that? I didn't know it was a thing. So um, I went to college for broadcasting, and then when I was in college, I took a sports broadcasting class. I grew up loving sports. I played sports. Um, I grew up in Denver. I was a huge Broncos fan. Um, my sister played softball, and it was the inaugural season of the Rockies when we were there. It just happened, and we went to a ton of games, and it was just so fun. Those are some of my favorite memories. Um, and, I, and then I also remember sitting like way up in the nosebleeds of Mile High Stadium when the Broncos and John Elway and like sharing those memories with my dad. It's incredible. And so um, I took that sports broadcasting class. And then I realized, oh, you can just do sports. That's amazing. Uh, And so coming out of college, um, ESPN called me for a production assistant job at ESPN Classic. I had submitted a resume two years before that for just an internship. And um, I got in a sweet spot. They were looking for diverse candidates. And so being a woman and my last name is Chin, I got the call and i said i will be there tomorrow what like where is connecticut i I don't know if i could have found (laughs) i didn't i grew up out west i didn't know (laughs) the northeast and uh it's so funny driving here my mom i'm when we were moving to connecticut my mom and i we stopped uh i think we stopped like just outside of connecticut and it was kind of late and um we were like let's stop here we'll get there tomorrow with a fresh you know And we drove the next morning and it was like an hour away (laughs) like what were we doing because connecticut is so small but anyway, um i was behind the scenes at espn for three years i did get to work on in uh remote production eventually so i worked on monday night football um the x games i got to do some really cool stuff the women's ncaa tournament it's like the only champion that's crowned on espn um and so that was really cool and then i decided i wanted to make the jump on air and the only station that called me back from my tape was in montgomery alabama So um, I made the leap. I worked part time making $9.50 an hour and I got laid off from that job about three months later. And so, but um, because of that experience, um, someone saw how hard I worked uh, covering press conferences for Nick Saban in Alabama and they gave me a shot in Birmingham. And so um, I got picked up in Birmingham and then uh, because of my husband, he was my boyfriend at the time, but now husband, we moved to Seattle washington and um that's how i got in with the now nbc sports northwest and i um that's when i started doing nba because the portland trailblazers are the only professional game in town um but at the time i was doing mostly college football the pac-12 was huge and that's what i had been covering in alabama so we it was really cool we had a two-hour pregame show every saturday just like game day um and that was so fun with like three analysts we had reporters everywhere it was me. it was a really cool experience um and then boston saw my work with the blazers and that's how i got here wow long story yeah no it wasn't even that long it wasn't good
0: (laughs) no Quanti's stories are so much longer than that that yours was just (laughs) like uh easy pass easy lane that's why she's it? a broadcaster. <laughs> exactly. Well, Abby, we're running a little. We're running out of time, here, but I wanted to just get your take on um, this season uh, again, not being unlike any we've seen without Tommy Heinsohn around. And just, you know, can you just share share with us just some of your fondest memories of Tommy?
2: It's different. It feels different. Like I said, not being in the arena, but it just feels different not having Tommy around, and um, I will let you guys know something. Actually, uh, my grandfather died today. Oh no. um, Yes. Yeah. So, hastened by COVID, I, I feel really lucky because um, I mentioned that road trip. That was our first stop, was to see him. And so, my kids got to hang out with him. Um, great-grandpa Wise, Dwight Wise. Uh, but he was headed downhill, really, since then. So, it's not too surprising. But my point is, um, just thinking about that today and all of it, it really brought me back too, because when we were on the farm on that trip is when Tommy died. And so I remember sitting on the couch and, you know, scrolling through my phone and seeing all these wonderful memories that people posted of Tommy. And I, I know that I only got a small slice of the Tommy Heinsohn who, you know, went from the player to the coach. And I, I got to know him as a broadcaster. But my favorite thing about Tommy is while he knows he will have forgotten way more basketball than I will ever know, is he never made me feel less than. And, um, he never spoke down to me. He never, he always made me feel like I was part of the team and he made me feel like I was an important part of the team. And I'm always grateful for that. And, and you guys, we talked about at the beginning of all this, all the support that I've gotten from Celtics nation, that wouldn't have been possible if Tommy and Mike Gorman hadn't welcomed me and lifted me up and, and put me in the position to be successful. And so I'm so grateful to them for that. And, um, Tommy is just someone who, you know, he's larger than life, and that's that's my greatest regret is that I never got to go on the road with Tommy and and hear and see him just hold court in a restaurant for hours after a game. Um, He was an incredible personality. I mean, I I saw glimpses of it. I saw it, of course. Mike talks about it all the time in the media room before games and all of that. Um, But he was just a wonderful, wonderful man, and I'm so lucky to have known him
0: yes yes we we all are and 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 for just having had the time we had with with tommy who will never be forgotten no question Um, but
2: oh and then the point was with my grandfather it was just it's this year is just it's i feel like and and the virus it's just taking people and it it's relentless and things are just different i feel like whenever we do get out of this, the world is just going to be so changed and we're just a small slice and it's.
1: And we want to send our condolences to your family, obviously as well. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, Abigail, I know you are an amazingly awesome and an amazingly busy woman. Uh, We don't want to take up much more of your time. Uh, Enjoy the holidays. Uh, May I know you've got an important date coming up the next couple of days right before Christmas? Uh, our good friend
1: Mabel, Miss uh, <laughs> yes,
2: Mighty Mabel, turning Mighty the Mabel. Five, the big, five. Oh.
1: big girl, big girl, Mabel. I mean, she's basically an adult now,
2: <laughs>
0: much, yeah. probably has her own YouTube channel, yeah, right? Uh, but don't give her a podcast, we don't want yeah. her, to be, we don't need the competition. That's
2: fun. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Was, well, abby it's
0: always yeah abby's always good to talk with you and know that you are always welcome on the a-list podcast anytime um tell mike and the girls i said hello and uh we'll be talking to you soon
2: thank you guys i'm excited for you good luck enjoy it
0: thank you thanks abby well 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 lots of good stuff there from abby chin uh kind of ended on a bit of a debbie downer note there about her grandfather that was that was sad but but very timely uh with right. you know us talking about tommy mm-hmm. um i'm happy for abby Me i really too. am um i i didn't tell her this uh just because I, I don't know if she knew this or not but like when those petitions were going around about like you know bringing abby back i signed it
1: <laughs>
0: I did. as you Sorry. should have yeah i was I, I was just ecstatic that that she, she's getting a second opportunity there because i mean she's good and and i i love the role that you know she's going to be asked to play and i love the role that that betonline.ag plays for us uh, they, they've been good to us and you know i just want to make sure i give them a shout out and and also while i'm doing shout outs i uh, want to give a shout out to you miss Lunas, for some of the work that you've done on nbc10 uh some of which i've actually I've added it to my content consumption list. She
1: actually watched it.
0: <laughs> I actually watched it, and I really, you know, the, the one interview, the one that you've done recently that that kind of jumped out of me is the Jackie Mac one. Yeah. Uh, she gave you, and really, I I enjoyed her talking about the various mentorships that she has had, and also what got her started in the business.
1: Yes, I talked to her for my series 10 Questions with NBC10 Boston. You can obviously catch it on our site at NBC10Boston.com. But it was very refreshing to hear her share her perspective of getting into the sports journalism field. And she started, I won't spoil it, but she saw a need and was willing to fill it. She saw that there weren't enough women or people covering a specific sport and she was like all right i'm gonna do it and that led to her having a very successful career in the nba covering it being a well-trusted source for a lot of players coaches front office personnel so definitely check that out it was very refreshing to hear she also gives her season preview of what she thinks we should be following this nba season
0: absolutely lots of lots of good stuff there no question about it and speaking of good stuff If you want to, Kwani, you've got some more good stuff you need to talk about, correct?
1: Yeah, so we have a podcast now, apparently, and I need you all to do this. When you're done with this episode, whether you're on Spotify or iTunes, I need to make sure that you subscribed. If you have time, give us a review. You can just click the five stars. That's all you have to do. You don't have to write anything. We're on YouTube as well. Tell your friends about it. Tell your mom about it. Tell your cousins about it. And that's all I want. That's all I want for Christmas is for you to subscribe.
0: Thank you, see Quarney, and that's the gift that we will keep on giving. Keep giving us those five star reviews. That's the gift that, if you really want to make that gift <laughs> to keep on giving to us, you can do that. Uh, another good episode, Kwani. Hopefully, we can we we'll keep it going.
1: Keep we got another two in the books. <laughs> two down and a whole lot more to go. And I still didn't whole- tell you guys my middle name. <laughs> we gonna, you know
0: what? I'm not gonna spoil it for them. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to i'm not going to put you on blast although they're going to refer but once they find out they will refer back to this episode they will they will look back at this episode and be like mm, damn okay yeah i get it third time's that's a charm clue, to y'all that's we call that a clue yes uh, and i'm looking at the clock and that's clueing me in that it's time for us to go it's time to go so, Again, great show, Kwani, as always. Uh, Ashra Blakely, Kwani Lunas, Lunas, this is the A-List Podcast. Uh, as she mentioned, we are on all your podcasting apps. Subscribe, review, give us that five-star rating, and we're good to go. Special shout-out to BetOnline.ag, giving us the support that we need and, and, and want. Appreciate you, as always. And that being said, this is the A-List Podcast. We are out. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays.